Happy Monday. It's John Lund Unleashed, Barrier Sports Talk, episode 38 for Monday, November 7th, 2022. How the 49ers fared on their bye week. Yes, they didn't play, but there is news around the league that affected them. The NFL in three minutes or more. We're going to do that to lead things off. The Warriors, if they're not worried, I'm not worried. Do you know that Farhan's been the Giants president of baseball operations four years ago today? What grade would you give him? And one for the road. Changing your clock is not that hard. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. John Lund, Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk. We appreciate you hanging out. If this is your maiden voyage on the show, thank you so much. John Lund from KMVR Radio. In San Francisco, we uh, drop Unleashed every weekday morning, so thank you so much for making it your first stop for Barry's Sports Talk each day. Please listen what you're doing. Thank you. Subscribe wherever gets your favorite podcast. By the way, next Monday, so it'll be the 14th, we're expecting to debut the uh, YouTube channel because I'm having the studio finished up and built, and so it will look nice and fancy and dandy. And we'll have that for you. So we'll be on uh, YouTube as well. So you can see my ugly mug. You can always interact with the show anytime you want. At John Lund Radio. Love it. Hate it. Suggestions. Attaboys. Whatever it is you want to hit me up with. At John Lund Radio. And remember, my day job, KNBR Radio in San Francisco. I co-host from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. So, again, KNBR 680 in the Bay Area. KNBR.com. You can, you can uh, stream it all. Uh, the podcast itself, we uh, generally talk about uh, Bay Area sports, but if, if there are other things, you know, the World Series comes up or big stories in and out of sports, we try to cover everything for you so that you can be a uh, an informed member of society. So, But we stick it to uh, to Bay Area sports, but uh, we'll, we'll go every once in a while to some other things as well. It drops each weekday morning, like I said. Uh, and let me know what you want to hear more of, less of, whatever. Uh, this thing is uh, an amoeba. It's it's ever-evolving, and uh, we want to make sure that we're hitting the right things for you. So, anyway, my background, I've been doing uh, sports radio for about 25 years in a bunch of different markets all over the country. I'll reference it uh, here and there. And so I think I have a unique perspective on not only Bay Area sports, which I've been covering all the teams since 2011 in various capacities, uh, but also doing a, always doing a talk show in uh, San Francisco. But I've been in Dallas and Detroit and all over the country doing stuff like this. So, uh, like I said, I think I have a unique perspective that hopefully you find to be cool. So, anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. We always do the leadoff spot, which is the big story of the day. We'll do a few other stories and then one for the road, which is, you know, whatever. Whatever I'm feeling on that specific day. Today it is about daylight savings or changing your clocks. I've never heard more complaining for what is, I think, the easiest thing around. But let's get going. The leadoff spot today. The 49ers didn't play, but how did the rest of the games affect them? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So this is normally when I would play a piece of sound for you, then I would I would kind of launch into what the big story of the day is. And there are big stories. We're going to talk about the Warriors today. And I was asked, actually, by my um, mother-in-law... Uh, at my stepson's basketball game, she said to me, are you worried about the Warriors? And I hope she's listening now, and that's not what she sounds like. But she said, are you worried about the Warriors? And I said, you know what? If they're not worried, I'm not worried. So we'll get into that today. We'll get into Farhan's fourth year anniversary, four-year anniversary 
uh, running the Giants. We'll give him a grade and everything. But I usually start with the biggest story, and the biggest story on a Monday is always the 49ers in the NFL. And I do a thing on Monday, if you're new to the podcast, called the NFL in three minutes or more. And we put highlights in there, and we do music and everything. And I usually do that like three quarters of the way through the podcast. But I thought we would do that first this week as kind of our big lead story because I want to tell you about all the games that happened in case you didn't or give you my opinion on them as well with some sound because then we can get into now and then you'll then you'll be kind of versed on what happened yesterday if you didn't if you you know because nobody is like me I do this for a living and so I understand you have a life and you have things to do and you know if you got a wife or a significant other or whatever you know you can't sit around like I do and watch football and waste your entire life so I do it so you don't have to and that's the point of the podcast too to get you caught up on everything each morning as fast or whenever you listen to the podcast but you know if I'm envisioning you listening you know, on your way in or something like that or sitting in traffic, you and I just hanging out. But uh, I'm going to do the uh, NFL in three minutes or more, and it's usually or more, and then we can talk about how it affects the 49ers. So without further ado, something we normally do later on in the podcast on a Monday, the NFL in three minutes or more. All right, I got to wait till the, the fancy part of the uh, music kicks in. Tom Brady eclipsing 100,000 yards passing at his regular season in playoffs. He led the Bucks on a TD drive 13 to 9 with 44 seconds left to beat the Rams. Here's the snap for Brady. Thanks to Fournette. He throws. It's caught. It's in for the touchdown. Incredible. Tampa Bay. Bucks improve to four and five. They play in Germany versus Seattle next week. The Rams fall to three and five. I'll tell you the ramifications of all that coming up in just a minute. The Seahawks are nine one and one in their last eleven trips to the desert. They beat the Cardinals 31-21. Kenneth Walker Jr., second round pick out of Michigan State, ices it 109 yards and two touchdowns. Walker looking for an alley. Walker pounding his way into the end zone for a touchdown. That is an impressive group of rookies for Seattle. The Seahawks are 6-3. They lead the NFC West. The, Cardinal, the Cardinals drop further into the base. They are 3-6. As far as the NFC is concerned, the Packers lose at Detroit 15-9. Aaron Rodgers, three interceptions all in the red zone in the loss, including this one. Pressure. Rodgers steps away, throws, it's intercepted again! It's Joseph again! Kirby Joseph! The pack fall to three and six, and it could get ugly in Green Bay, an entire house cleaning, possibly. Rodgers was going nuts off and on the sidelines. Maybe he needs a little of that ayahuasca to chill out. Next week's opponent on Sunday Night Football, the Chargers nip the Falcons 20 to 17. Austin Eckler with a TD run and reception. Now with three wide receivers, Herbert rolling right, throws, Eckler, touchdown. He's no Christian McCaffrey. He didn't throw one. The Falcons fall to four and five. Chargers improve to five and three. And unfortunately, maybe for the 49ers, Justin Herbert looks like he's getting over that rib injury, those uh, cracked ribs, broken ribs that he had earlier in the season. Still not up to Justin Herbert's standards, but he certainly looks better. A couple of record setters. Justin Fields ran for Justin Fields ran for an NFL regular season QB rushing record, 178 yards in a 35-32 loss to Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins, including this 61-yarder. He's in for six. 61-yard touchdown run. 
by the quarterback, Justin Fields. Speaking of records, Joe Mixon of the Bengals had four on the ground and one through the air. Five touchdowns in the Bengals, 42-21 stomping of the Panthers. He had 15 rushes for 113 yards and three touchdowns, as well as four catches, 58 yards, and another touchdown in the first half. Career highs with yards from scrimmage, 211, and touchdowns, five. Robert Sala, the former defensive coordinator of the 49ers, and the Jets upset the Bills 20-17. Josh Allen with one final heave. Allen tosses, deep ball on the way, incomplete. Gabe Davis, the intended target, and the Jets will win it. Sala's defense held the Bills to 17 points, picked off Josh Allen twice, and rushed for 174 yards. That's a 49ers type of recipe for the former San Francisco defensive coordinator. The Jets are a surprising six and three, and the Bills fall to six and two. And finally, the Sunday nighter, the Chiefs come back to top the Titans 20 to 17. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball career high 68 times, completing 43, but it was his legs which won the game. Mahomes on the run, at the 10, at the five, to the goal line, in for the touchdown. Titans rookie quarterback Malik Willis went five of 16 passes. The difference in the QB's attempts was 52, an NFL record. Their difference in completions was 38. That tied an NFL mark as well, and that is the NFL in three minutes or more. So what you want to know is, how does it affect the 49ers? Glad you asked. Well, right now, the way the playoffs look, the Eagles had a bye this week. They're 8-0. So the 2-7 matchup. I know you may be thinking that I'm doing this too early, but remember, we're in week 9. The 49ers just had their bye. We're going to week 10 so the 2-7 matchup right now would be the 49ers at the Vikings. The 49ers would be the 7 seed in the playoffs. The Vikings 7-1. They beat Washington on Sunday. The 3-6 and six Giant, the 3-6 matchup would be the Giants, the 6 seed at the Seahawks, a 3 seed. Seahawks would win the NFC West. Uh, the Giants had a bye week after the Seattle loss last week, and I just had you uh, going through the uh, NFL in three minutes or more. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals 9-1-1 in the last 11 in the desert for Seattle, by the way. And then the 4-5 matchup would be the uh, five Cowboys at the four Bucks. Even though the Cowboys are 6-2 and two and the Bucks are 4-5, and five, the NFC South is terrible, and the Bucks would actually win that division. So who's out? The Commandos and the Falcons are at 4-5, and five, so they're right breathing right down the necks of the uh, 49ers. And remember, the Falcons have the tiebreaker over the uh, 49ers because of that win in Atlanta. Uh, the Rams and the Saints are both three and five. The Packers now are three and six. This is your 12, 13, 14 in the NL or in the uh, NFC. Uh, Packers three and six. Bears three and six. Commandos three and six. Lions two and six after beating the Packers. And the Panthers are two and seven. As far as the NFC West is concerned, the Seahawks are six and three. They go to Germany, and you can get that one early next week. Then they've got to buy. Then they host the Raiders. So if they beat the Bucks. Probably beat the Raiders. They could be looking at eight and three, and this was the team we thought was going to be at the bottom of the NFC West. 49ers are four and four. They got the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Then they've got the Cardinals in Mexico City. And if you've watched any of the Cardinals, they just don't look right. Uh, Kyler Murray has not progressed defensively. They're pretty good. If you give them opportunities, the one thing that scares me about the Cardinals in a couple of weeks in Mexico City is that Kyler Murray is running a little bit more. Last year, when you saw Kyler Murray. He was trying to win from the pocket, and they were trying to kind of cut down on his running. Now, because they've struggled so much offensively, even though he's gotten DeAndre Hopkins back, he's just running a ton. He ran and made a bunch of plays against Seattle, and that's really when the only time they had opportunities to make plays. So uh, the Cardinals in Mexico City in a couple of weeks, Rams 3-5 and five after that last-second loss to Brady and the Bucks. 
They're at the Saints and then at KC. They got some tough games coming up. Could they lose those two games on the road and go to three and seven? They would then be out probably. Uh, the Cardinals at three and six at Rams and then uh, 49ers against Mexico City. I was saying the Rams, you got the bye week uh, for the Cardinals. So uh, after the bye week, the Cardinals play the Rams. So that's what it is. Seattle six and three. 49ers 4 and 4, Rams 3 and 5, Cardinals 3 and 6, and that's the way the NFC looks. That's the games that affected the 49ers on their bye week. And the thing that's great about the 49ers situation is that we've talked about this and go back to last week's podcast at the end of the week, the guys that they're going to be getting back. Elijah Mitchell in the backfield to go with Christian McCaffrey getting Debo Samuel back. I've heard that he's progressed very very well. Uh, and then guys just in general uh, getting healthy in the offensive end or offensive side like Mike McGlinchey. Defensively, Drake Greenlaw should be back. Still a question on Eric Armstead, but I think he's getting better. Kinlaw's a bit of a mystery. Uh, Aziz Alshire is still a couple of weeks away. And then the secondary, it all just depends on how Jason Verrett is feeling. He's back practicing with the team, but the 49ers don't want to jump the gun on Verrett. If Verrett comes back and can be any semblance of what he was before he blew out the knee against the Lions... And I know that's a big if because he's had so many injuries in his career. But if Verrett can solidify somehow that corner position opposite Chavarius Ward, then you're in great shape because I still get nervous. I know that Diamondor Lenore has gotten better. I still don't trust Ambry Thomas. I don't trust Samuel Womack. So if somehow Verrett can solidify that corner position, you get Armstead back in the middle, help stop the run. He does so many things that when he's out now we're like, oh, 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 yeah, we need him back. So that those are kind of the injuries and everything that's going on. So combine some of the things, a little bit of the help. The Rams losing today was a big deal. Seattle winning, not the best kind of a situation. The Packers losing. You know, now you're sitting at three and six. You're going, jeez, because I always thought they would come out of that thing. But Aaron Rodgers just really struggling. So those are some of the things that happen. The 49ers get their guys back, get some of their guys back. Uh, Chargers getting a little healthier as well for Sunday Night Football. But we'll talk all about that as the week progresses. Let's get to the rest of it. Warriors next. So the 38 uh, just sort of happened, but it wasn't uh, an issue at all. I mean, he looked fine the whole time. Um, you know, we're trying to help him with all the little details that young players need to learn. Um, I think the, the other night we got to look at some different combinations, which was really important. You know, the first uh, eight, nine games of the year were really about um, – you know, getting our feet underneath us and trying to see what we what we had with different combinations. And I think we've we've learned we got to try something different. And so JK will be part of of uh, the new rotation. And I'm excited to to play him. And he's just got to keep keep doing what he's doing. That is obviously Steve Kerr. And uh, Steve Kerr is talking about Jonathan Kaminga. He played 38 minutes in the 114. 105 loss to the Pelicans last time out. 18.7-12, one of three from three. And I want to get into Kaminga in just a second, but I want to go back to something that my mother-in-law asked me after my stepson's game basketball game on Sunday night. And she asked, are the Warriors in trouble? Are you worried about the Warriors? I think she said, are you worried about the Warriors? Well, <laughs> let's put it like this. The Warriors have started the season three and seven. All right, they're 0-6 on the road. Uh, they entered the history books, becoming the first team in NBA history to start 0-6 on the road after winning a championship the previous year. Uh, they started the year winning 3-5. of five. They were 3-1 and one at home. Uh, they've gone 0-5 since. On a seven-day, five-game Eastern swing that ended Friday in New Orleans, 
and Steve Kerr and the Warriors decided to bench everybody. Now, okay, not everybody, but Steph didn't play, Clay didn't play, Clay's not going to play on back-to-backs, Draymond didn't play, Andrew Wiggins didn't play. Uh, let's look. So let me answer the question first, and then we'll get into some of the issues surrounding the Warriors right now. If you're worried about the Warriors, don't be worried about the Warriors. First of all, they're 3-7. and seven. That's not great, but that's 12% of the NBA season. And you and I both know what the Warriors are trying to do. They're trying to rest players and win a championship. If they can rest four players, knowing damn well that they're probably going to lose to the Pelicans in that stretch and lose all those road games and start three and seven, if they don't care, let me put it this way, if they're not panicked, then you shouldn't be panicked. That's the bottom line. They're not panicked. Because if they were panicked or if they were worried, they're not panicked, but if they were worried at all, they wouldn't have rested all those guys. And let me go on that tangent a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get a letter from the NBA. I don't know if they're going to get a warning from the NBA. But just from a pure fan standpoint, if I could defend the fan for just a second because we get stepped on all the time. If I buy a ticket to see the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors would never do this at home because they wouldn't want to piss off their own fans and corporate sponsors. But if I buy a ticket to see the Golden State Warriors, okay, you're not going to play Steph Curry. I guess I get it. You have these monitors on. I'm upset, but okay. Uh, you're not going to play Clay Thompson because he doesn't play on back-to-backs. You're not going to play Draymond Green. Hell, you're not even going to play Andrew Wiggins. And I bought a ticket to see the Warriors. And if I'm the NBA, I'm upset. And I'm sorry if I'm being get-off-my-lawn guy for a minute. But Jordan and all the other guys that I watched growing up played 82, and they played 40 minutes, and somehow they made it through the NBA playoffs, and they played every single year for years and years and years and years and years, and they were fine. So (laughs) whether it's – I know we have this discussion when it comes to pitching, and I know guys aren't going to throw 300 innings anymore and complete games and all these things, and even the best of the best pitchers only throw five innings. I get it. There's not any less injuries, by the way. There's not any less injuries with pitchers. There's not any less injuries with basketball players. In fact, I think there are more. I think they are Lamborghinis. You know, the, the athletes nowadays are Lamborghinis, and there's lots of problems with them. And a lot of it, I think, can be traced back to the fact that they're training differently. My point is is that it's not really shown, even though they have all these monitors and technology and everything else, that there are less injuries, that this is a better way to do it. But whatever, it's not going back the other way. I just wanted to get on, a, on the, uh, the stool for just a second and say, if I'm a fan, and my and my favorite players, you're going to bench the whole team? That's not the Warriors. That's the Santa Cruz Warriors. I can see Kaminga in Santa Cruz. I can see James Wiseman in Santa Cruz. I can see, you know, I guess Moses Moody's not going to go back down there. But you get the point. And the fact that they would never do it at home tells you it's wrong. So I don't know if the NBA is going to say anything. And I know you love the Warriors. And I know this is beside the point. And I'll get back to it in a second. I just want to do one freeway exit and then I'll get right back on the main road, and we'll talk about the Warriors and the start and why you shouldn't be panicked. But they shouldn't rest four guys at once. It's not fair to the fan. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program. Here are the issues for the Warriors with this start. All right, in in no particular order. Uh, Jordan Poole is trying to live up to the deal. On the trip, he went 12 for 40, 5 for 22 on three-pointers. Over the final three, I should say. Over the final three, 12 for 40, 5 for 22 on three-pointers. And I'm going to ask you a question at John Lund Radio. You can hit me up. But I'm going to ask you a question at the end of every one of these issues with the, 40, uh, with the uh, Warriors right now. Is Jordan Poole going to keep doing that? I don't think so. I think Jordan Poole is good. I don't think you have to be worried about Jordan Poole. I think that he's putting pressure on himself. Steve Kerr said as much. But you can tell that he's pressing because I think he feels like when those guys are out of the lineup, the guys I just mentioned, who NBA fans I'm sure are not happy with and the NBA is not happy with, but I'm, I digress that when he's out there and he's the main guy and he's the Steph Curry, he's only 23 years old. He's still got growing to do. 
He's going to grow into this role, but I think he feels pressure. So, that, number one, he'll be fine. Uh, defense. They're giving up 121.4 points per game. If you're wondering, that's the worst in the NBA. They're bottom five in shooting percentage defense. They've given up the most free throws, which means they're fouling a lot. They're last in turnovers at nearly 17 per game. That's a lot to worry about. Okay, let's go to the defense. Are they going to be the worst defensive team in the league this year? No. Are they going to be better in uh, defending the shot? Yes. Are they going to foul at this level that they're fouling? They tend to foul a lot. Steve Kerr gets mad consistently and constantly about reaching, but I don't think they're going to get up the, give up the most free throw attempts and makes this year. And last in turnovers at nearly 17 per game, it's always been an issue. Uh, the Warriors play high-risk, high-octane type of an offense. They move the ball around a little bit. But when they need to focus, when they need to win games, this is kind of the turnovers are kind of the number you can look at with the words. When they need to win a game, they can cut down on the turnovers anytime they want. That's why three and seven, 12% of the season, you don't need to worry. You don't need to panic. I saw something, one of the state, I think it was NBC Sports Bay Area, ran like a your panic level green to red. Mine could not be more green. Uh, the fact that the Warriors didn't play it, four of their starters in New Orleans tells you everything you need to know. Their goal, and they never can say it because the NBA would lose their mind because it's a business and you got to play the 82 games, their goal is to have their guys, their veteran players, rested by the time that the playoffs hit and rested by the time the finals hit, and they kind of ramp this thing up and they know exactly what they're doing. I'm sure they've got it in a chart in a dark room somewhere. By this point, we do this. By this point, so basically it's by Christmas this, by the All-Star break this, by April 1st this, by the playoffs that. Now, injuries and so forth are going to throw that out of whack sometimes. But the reality is, well, they would never say it publicly. They don't care how many games they win. Because you know and I know they could win an NBA championship from the play-in game. If they win what they win won last year, 53, hell, if they win 50, if they win 48, if they're – I think the cutoff point for them to win a championship is the four seed – because then you would get a home court in the first round, and if they have to go on the road for the rest of the playoffs, does anyone think they're not going to still win a championship? Because I do. I look at the Western Conference, and we have a long way to go, and other teams aren't ramping themselves up. And this is an issue. I talked about this on Friday. Uh, the NBA has a cruise control problem. They talk about having a, a tanking problem. They're worried about the bottom of the, of the league trying to tank for top players, especially this year with a very big prize, seven foot five prize at the bottom of this whole thing. So, you know, they have a lottery system and everything. They need to be worried about the top because I know the Suns are off to a great start. I know the Bucks are off to a great start. But a lot of these teams are cruising. And they're like, look, I'll win X amount of games. We want to be fresh for the playoffs. Greg Popovich started this years ago. He's the one if you want to blame somebody. Like, look, I'm not even going to take players here. I'm not going to fly players there. He had a veteran team. He's like, look, our goal is not to win you know, 50, 60, 70 games. Our goal is to win a championship. The Warriors won 73, didn't win a title. Last year, the Suns won, what, 64, didn't win a title. You don't get any kind of a trophy for winning games. You get a trophy for winning the tournament, which is 16 wins. It's not first to 70. It's not first to 60. It's not first to 55. It's first to winning the tournament, which is first to 16. Those are the key numbers, and that tournament doesn't start until April and that's when the Warriors will be ready next. Hey, Giants fans, this is Farhan Zaidi here. Uh, 
I just want to say hello to all you guys and let you know how excited I am to be here, first day on the job uh, here at AT&T Park. Uh, I just want you guys to know, uh, A, how excited I am. I, I love the Bay Area. I spent a lot of time here, happy to be coming back home. And, you know, we're going to work hard to put a team together and a product together that you guys can be proud of and can be excited to root for. So I got a few days to get some orange and black in my wardrobe. I'm going to do that. Got to do the wardrobe changeover. But again, just want to say hello and can't wait to get started here. That is Farhan Zaidi. He is the president of baseball operations for your San Francisco Giants. And as I was uh, thinking of things to talk about during the show, I don't know. I was looking up something and all of a sudden a video came up. Four years ago today, four years ago today, November 7th, 2018, Farhan Zaidi took over for Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans and uh, the old way that the Giants used to do things. November 7, 2018, he took over as president of baseball operations for the Giants, coming over after being the GM of the Dodgers and working with the A's. So he's had four seasons, 19, 20, 21, and 22, had a shortened season in 20. At John Lund Radio, hit me up. What would you grade Farhan? I'd, I'd be curious to know what you would grade Farhan, A, B, C, D, F, whatever. Uh, my GPA doesn't matter. I know you're going to ask me that, but uh, how would you grade Farhan? And this is what I would do. Uh, in 2019, you went 77 and 85. Remember, you kept they kept Bruce Bochy as the manager. It was kind of a transitional year. So 77, 85, it wasn't his guys. It wasn't his farm system. They were acclimating to things. Then in 2020, it was the shortened season, of course, because of the pandemic. They did, they uh, they went 29 and 31. They missed the playoffs by a game. Uh, 2021 was a magical season, as you well know. Everything, literally everything, went right. They won 107 games, went 107 and 55. They lost to L.A. 3-2 in the first round. You know all those things. Here's Farhan after that season. You, you think about, you know, we hear the rhetoric out there, the narrative about the 2021 Giants, that it's unsustainable, that there's regression, that – you know, guys aren't going to be able to back it up uh, this year. And look, 107 wins is tough to back up. But when we have guys step up and have big seasons like Darren Ruff, like Lamont Wade, you know, internally, we're going to believe in those guys. We saw them day in, day out, and they have every opportunity to back it up and show it was for real. And, and we believe it was. So, you know, we understand uh, the narrative and the talk out there, and we're really excited for these guys to have the opportunity to back up what they did last year, and we really believe in them. All right, so that was Farhan after the 107-win season. That was on uh, KNBR right after the season, and he said, we believe in these guys. We're going to bring them all back, and I get it. People have criticized him for it, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on KNBR and it's the home of the Giants. They they won 107 games. He brought everybody back. He re-signed Anthony DiSclefani. He re-signed Alex Wood. Buster Posey retired. That was a big hit. Kevin Gosman went to the Blue Jays because they didn't want to give him five years. But generally speaking... Outside of Buster Posey, outside of Kevin Gosman, who they replaced with Carlos Rodon quite effectively, thank you very much, he tried to go back with everybody else. I get it. They won 107 games. So Brandon Crawford gets a two-year extension. I didn't have an issue with that. But then what happened was, right from the get-go, you could tell, or not from the get-go, I guess a month into the season, you could tell these guys looked old. They were broken down. Uh, Brandon Belt got hurt. Brandon Crawford didn't have the same offensive kind of a season. Evan Longoria is 36. He didn't have that kind of a season. Joey Bart got off to a horrible start. Anthony DiSclefani got hurt. The defense was absolutely horrible because they're moving guys around constantly, and that worked like a charm. 
in 2021. It was disastrous in 2022. They over-platooned. They didn't have guys who could hit for power. The home runs went way down, and the bullpen was an absolute disaster with generally the same guys. Jake McGee got released. Dom Leon got released. A lot of guys who were effective for this team in 2021 weren't in 2022. Ineffective, old, whatever the case may be, you all know this. Relievers, defense, not hitting the home run, all the injuries, and it looked like a disaster, and Farhan was, I'm not going to say stupid, but everybody's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. As a fan, you're going, why didn't you do anything? Well, they won 107 games. How much would you change if you won 107 games? He didn't do enough. Now, from the beginning, you could say that from a bat standpoint, he didn't do enough. Uh, He can't control the injuries, but it's kind of like the 49ers. For a year, for maybe two, you could say, okay, injuries, injuries, injuries. But if you don't do something about the injuries, in other words, if you don't bring in players who don't get hurt as much, then it is on you. So it's not like I gave them a pass in 2022. They went 81 and 81 and didn't make the playoffs. I don't give him a pass, but I understood what his logic was in twenty in going into the season, as you just heard, going into the 22 season saying, hey, we're going to keep the majority of these guys around. We won 107 games. Now here's Farhan after the 81 and 81 season that we just completed. This is what he says is going to happen this offseason. As far as our situation here, um, I always view the last offseason and this offseason as a time of big transition for our organization. You know, we had a bunch of veteran players when I came in whose contracts were going to be up last offseason and this coming offseason. And, you know, just with the success that we had last year, winning 170 games and uh, the seasons that, you know, Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt had, um, it made sense for us to not be too aggressive with the transition and, and retrench a little bit with the guys who had had that successful season for us. But, you know, again, we find ourselves in, in a position this offseason where we want to get uh, more athletic. We want to have... Uh, you know, a, a roster that has a better chance of staying healthy, which usually means uh, getting a little bit younger. So, um, you know, everything's on the table for us, including going out and, and being aggressive. At- and, and the finish of that quote was, by the way, that was Farhan Zaidi, president of baseball operations for the Giants. And again, the four-year anniversary, November 7, 2018, he was hired. So today, four years ago, and his tune has changed. When you go 81 and 81, you don't get in the playoffs. You look at the Padres and see where they are, and they went out and they're aggressive. They spend money. Uh, they depleted their farm system to, to do for, to do so. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. We know the story there. Even Arizona, their farm system is far and away better than the Giants. It's one of the better farm systems in baseball, and we've seen a couple of uh, pieces of fruit come out of that one so they could pass the Giants. So here's the bottom line with Farhan. He goes into the critical offseason – they're 294 and 252, which is a 538 winning percentage, buoyed obviously by 2021 and when they won 107 games. The good in Farhan is he's great at bringing in under the radar guys. He brought in Gosman, brought in Yaz, Lamont Wade Jr., Alex Cobb, Wood, D. Scalfani. The bullpen for a year was great. Uh, Tyro Estrada signed Rodon for a year. He was absolutely great. Uh, in 2021, guys like Cron, Belton, and uh, Buster Posey came in and they were raving about the staff and how they had kind of changed their their hitting style a little bit, and they were very successful. Uh, Farhan brought the Giants into modern baseball. Maybe you don't like that, but every team has some sort of analytics, and it's not that the Giants didn't have analytics. It's just he raised the bar on it. Uh, If you don't like it, the Astros might be the most analytically driven team in baseball 
They just won the World Series. Uh, the good, he won 107 games in his third year in the farm system when he inherited inherited it. And again, I'm not a huge farm system guy. I know the guys, but they were around, they were in the 20s when he came aboard. Now uh, they seem to be in the top 10, so they seem like they're in a better place. Although the fruit, you know, Elliot Ramos was one of the first guys that was supposed to come out. I, you know, I don't know what the other guys are going to do. We don't know. I mean, they're good names. But Ramos was one guy that everybody was excited about. Now maybe he can bounce back next year, but he's kind of the first guy that was going to be ready, and he wasn't ready. Uh, the bad, uh, the free agent signings. Redon was great, but it was only on, it was only one year. Uh, apparently tried on Harper and Stanton, couldn't get it done. Uh, the biggest contracts he's given out, Lestella three years hasn't worked out. Di Scalfani three years <laughs> looks bad, has not worked out. Uh, the bad, the regression of 2022. And as we just pointed out, and that's why I played those two cuts back-to-back, I get why he didn't uh, go crazy last offseason. Uh, I get it, but he should know more than me. You look at it on the surface and you say, hey, it looks good. I don't – as analytically driven as they're supposed to be, wouldn't you know that there was going to be regression and shouldn't you have maybe given yourself a little bit more depth? He would probably say yes. Uh, the conclusion to Farhan on the four-year anniversary of him being named president of baseball operations for the Giants – this offseason is going to tell the tale. I think it's pretty obvious. He needs to get three, at least three major additions. I think between that group, Judge and Turner and Correa, he needs to find a pitcher, uh, a 1-8 to replace Radon. I'm not talking about a guy who's like a three or a four starter. I don't want a Wood or a Cobb or a Di Sclafani. He's got to get somebody at the top of the rotation. And I don't expect him to get Verlander. I think he's going to go back to the Astros. I don't expect him to get Jacob deGrom. I think he's going to go... Uh, back to the Mets, they've got a ton of money. But he's got to find a pitcher, and there is a number of pitchers, and we'll get into it in the podcast in the offseason. I'm just going to do treetops today. I'm not going to go deep into the depths, even though I have. I've, I've delved into all this kind of stuff, but I'm not going to today. But he's got to realize and stay up with the Padres and the Dodgers, and he could be passed by Arizona. E- enough shopping at TJ Maxx. Enough dumpster diving. It, it's t- Their payroll is low. They've been waiting for this offseason to say, okay, it, no offense to any of these guys who have been great giants, but Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria and even Crawford, if he has to move to second base, total respect to those guys, especially Belt and Crawford, who helped this organization win championships. So you got to show those guys respect, but it's time to move on. It's time to get more athletic. It's time to get younger. It's time to not platoon so much. Uh, the shift is going away. You need more athletic defenders. This is the offseason which will, which will determine – whether Farhan is successful or not. What kind of grade, I asked you, what kind of grade would I give Farhan? It's kind of a boring one because I'd give him a C because if I look at just what he's won, all right, 107, that's an outlier. Uh, 77 and 85, let's call that an outlier. So I took out the low and I took out the high. Well, they're 29 and 31 in the other season, and they're 81 and 81 in the other. So he's basically fielded a 500 team if you take out the best and the worst. They fielded a 500 team. And the one thing I'd like to change around here is, to me, and people were talking about this, hey, if we get to 500, if we get to 500, at least it's not a failure. At least we can say that it wasn't a losing year. Like the Dodgers would laugh in your face. And that's what the Giants should be. This is a major market. The Dodgers, if they're not going to the, to the playoffs, if they're not playing for a World Series, the season was a failure. You can win 60 games, you could win 81. A f- not winning it is a failure, and that's the way the Giants should look at it. The Padres, A.J. Preller, their general manager, if they don't win it, he looks at it as a failure. The Dodgers look at it as a failure. 
It's not about turnstiles. It's not about getting players just for getting players like an Aaron Judge. Oh, he's going to turn turnstiles. When I hear people say that, I want to puke. You want Aaron Judge because he's going to be a great fit and a great player, and it's up to Farhan to decide with his injury history and age and everything what contract would be you know, worthy of the Giants because all of us want to get, if you're a Giants fan, you want to get Aaron Judge, but does it make sense? Put it through your computer, Farhan. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Tell me if it does make sense. And if it doesn't, then who are you going to get? Because Aaron Judge is tremendous, and he probably would turn the turnstiles. Not probably, he would. But is it better to get, you know, three or four really good guys who aren't as a big of a name? You know, one of the shortstops, is it better to get Correa and Brandon Nimmo, the short, the uh, center fielder, the Mets, and a couple of high-end pitchers and maybe a closer, whatever, rather than just get one guy? And that's one of the debates with Aaron Judge, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in the offseason. But I want to get your thoughts. It's the four-year anniversary of Farhan. And he's basically got 294, 252 is a 538. Take out the best, take out the worst. And he has a 29 and 31 and an 81 and 81. What kind of job has he done to you? Give me your thoughts at John Lund Radio. It's time for One for the Road. All right, One for the Road today. I usually have a piece of sound for you here, but this is just kind of a thought I had today because I, or yesterday I was traveling uh, my niece got married so I was traveling and it was daylight savings time and, and I don't know what if this has been going on a long time the complaining of daylight saving times or the changing of the clocks I guess it's fall back spring forward fall back and to me it's never been a big deal over the last, last number of years because your phone changes it for you your iPad changes it for you so my wife and I had a 7 a.m. flight on Sunday and we set our alarms for to go out. I don't know. We got up at like five o'clock, and it, it, we didn't we didn't have to worry before we went to bed because the iPhone already changes for you. Whatever phone you have changes for you. Uh, we only have digital. I don't have any analog clocks other than the one above the oven that's always flashing. We have that one, but it's not like you have a VCR anymore and it's flashing. It's not like you have analog clocks all over your house that you got to change. Is it, it? What am I missing? Because every I, I, I almost think it's a situation where. It's kind of like the sheep. Somebody started complaining about it once, and then everybody kind of jumped on board, and then now we have social media so everybody can complain about it. And everybody goes, yeah, that is a pain in the ass. I don't like I, I don't like daylight saves. I don't like when they change the clock. I don't want to, you know, it's become this big deal that everybody's talking about. But is it really that hard? I mean, I'm, I'm asking at John Lund Radio. I'm asking. I don't know. Because to me, it's just not that big of a deal. And plus, this is fall back, right? Swing forward, fall. Yeah, this is fall back, so I get an extra hour of sleep today. So I feel great. So anyway... Let me know. Is it that big of a deal? Daylight savings, changing the clocks, all that. That happened on Sunday. I don't know. I mean, every once in a while. I mean, it's dark. I get it. Like, it gets dark earlier. I understand. We were going out. Uh, we had some errands to run today, and it was like 445. You're like, oh, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it goes. Uh, it doesn't really bother me. I'm used to it. It's not a big deal to me. All my clocks are changed. It wasn't a big deal. It didn't affect me. I don't feel any differently other than it got dark earlier, which I don't like. But I deal with it, and it's not worth the complaining. Daylight savings time, changing the clock. Give me your thoughts. Does it upset you? Why has it become such a big deal? Or has it not become a big deal? And just because I'm so plugged into social media and listening to people and Twitter and all these different people complaining to me and saying things to me and this, that, and the other, uh, like I can do something about it. Like people are going to do something about it. I can't do anything about it. But uh, just give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio. Changing the clocks, daylight saving time. Is it a pain in the ass? What am I missing? 
or is it right? And you don't care either. And I'm making too big of a deal of it. That is one for the road. And that is Unleashed, John Lund, Barry Sports Talk, episode 38 for Monday, November 7th, 2022. Thanks for making Unleashed your first stop for Bay Area Sports Talk each day. Please listen to what you're doing. Subscribe. Next Monday, remember, we're going to debut that YouTube channel. Get the studio all nice and clean for you. Interact at John Lund Radio any way you want to react. You love it, you hate it. Suggestions at John Lund Radio. I've asked you about daylight savings today. Grade Farhan at John Lund Radio for that. KNBR Radio, my day job, KNBR 680 and KNBR.com. That is Unleashed, Barrier Sports Top, episode 38. With me, John Lund, Monday, November 7th, 2022, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.